This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Spear Factor Spear Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Whitman, and I'm sharing with you today a spear fisherman from Rhode Island. His name is David Gleason. Um pretty cool guy lots of really good information and very unique diving up there in Rhode Island as far as the seasons and topography we also get into his blackout experience when he was on the Big Island training really interesting stuff and I hope you guys enjoy it uh, again thanks Dave for being on the show we also have some new sponsors and some new deals from our sponsors for you guys uh, so first let's start off with uh, Acaso cameras uh, I can get 15% off to you guys, Fear Factor listeners. If you go to the link on the website, click on it. There's a promo code there. Uh, apply that promo code, and it'll give you 15% off. And you know, in my humble opinion, really, really good cameras that are damn near as good as GoPros with about a fourth of the cost. So it's Kind of a nice thing to have. If you lose it, you're not going to be out 400 bucks or whatever they are nowadays. The next sponsor is uh, Hot Rod Spear Guns. You guys know I've been working with Paul at Hot Rod for a while. He gave us 10% off with promo code SPEARFACTOR. Pretty awesome. Thank you, Paul. And Chimera Side Slip. So Chimera Side Slip, you can purchase those at Chimera Spearfishing. That's K-I-M. E-R-A, and basically I've talked about the side slip before in the show. It's kind of the benefits of a slip tip without worrying about breaking your tip hunting around rocks. Uh, it replaces the flopper with a side slip. Uh, check it out more at the website, and if you use promo code SPEARFACTOR, all lowercase, at checkout, they'll give you 5% off. And our last sponsor is One Drop Spearfishing basically a, an environmentally minded group of guys that love to dive live and breathe it but their whole focus is feeding friends and family and enjoying their time in the water nothing more nothing less 
um, solid group of guys and uh, check out their website one drop spearfishing check them out on youtube one drop spearfishing and if you'd like to uh, sponsor spear factor podcast feel free uh, you can go ahead and shoot me a note on the website spearfactor.com thank you all right everybody welcome back to spear factor today we have uh our today we have a kind of a unique guest um never actually dove with him uh met through a friend uh, across i guess the united states where it's like the most random text i got from my buddy he was like hey uh there's this guy he dives and uh, like you meet him I'm like okay cool um seems really cool and that guy is david gleason as we always start with all this stuff, um, do you mind giving a little bit of background and like where you live and conditions where you're sure. having it? Yeah. Sure, sure. Well, thanks for having me, Brett. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, my name is Dave Gleason. Uh, so I, I, I do all my diving over in uh, Rhode Island, uh, up, up in New England on the East Coast. Um, I grew up in a, on a small island in Rhode Island called Aquidneck Island. There's a hell of a lot of islands there, as you can tell. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so grew up around Newport, started diving when I was like, uh, about 13 or so and, um, just kind of took off from there. We got a lot of murky, murky conditions, but, um, a lot of life, uh, compared to other places I've dove in, in the country and in the world. So it's kind of, it's a really unique place. We've got kind of a short season, uh, from like, you know, May or June, uh, till about Thanksgiving. And then uh, the fish all leave, but we really try to hit it hard during those, you know, five months or so, four or five months. And uh, it's nice because it, it changes quickly. We get a lot of migration, mi- migratory species coming through. They're all inshore, but they, they still migrate through Rhode Island. And uh, um, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's green, green water, murky diving um, most of the time. But, you know, we can, we can also get spoiled with, with days of, you know, 20 or 30 foot viz and, um, it's, it's fun. It can kind of make it challenging. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cold, it's green, full of life and it's a lot of fun. So that's, uh, that's, the, that's a little general picture of our, our dive sites. No, it's, it sounds kind of uh, similar, you know, to here. Uh, yeah. I think the thing that's kind of unique about the East coast, which is, um, surprising to a lot not really surprising to a lot of people but they try to like figure it out it's kind of unique as in the water temperatures vary so much and yeah yeah because of that like the species varies quite a bit too like i i'm always shocked like oh they have tuna okay well obviously they have tuna but then it's wahoo it's like bluefin you know obviously like a little cooler water and then the wahoo and then you guys get stuff across the board like really um yeah 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 it's kind of mental i mean uh so like i like i said it starts in like april or may you know depending on uh how antsy we are to get back in the water and it's about 45 degrees maybe when we start um and uh so so we get in there uh there's not a whole lot of life at that point but there's you can find some tog and some some stripers around really when it hits 50 is is the is kind of the magic number um start seeing more life and then in like late may early june spring happens underwater it's pretty cool it it turns from gray gets super colorful i mean you know new england colorful it's like you know red yellow and green but um uh 
there's, you know, all of a sudden there's fish everywhere. We get, you know, puffer fish, we get um, bass are everywhere. We get tog, tog are coming in to spawn. Um, and uh, they're pretty aggressive at that point. So they they actually will charge you underwater. And then the season just takes off and like blue, bluefin come in around like June or so. Um, little, little, little farther north, but, uh, and they're actually, you can't, you can't harvest them by spear, but they're around and you can catch them rod and reel. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, we, we have Wahoo and Yellowfin and Big Eye, um, as, as close to as like 50, 60 miles. Um, you know, we get these little eddies off the Gulf Stream that come in and you can get eddies with, with 75, 80, 80 degree water temps. And, uh, they bring on all sorts of pelagics kind of pretty close to inshore so we had definitely unique fishery and then in the fall um you still have this really really warm water temps um a lot warmer than the air i think the water still right now is close it's close to 70 and uh warm warm for here at least and um yeah then everything starts migrating south again and we get this big push of big push of bass big, you know we get trigger fish in the in the late summer and fall it's kind of neat you know we, we just a ton of different species you never you really never know what you're going to see sharks i mean you guys you guys are used to seeing sharks too but um yeah we've kind of got a little sprinkle of everything so you, you mentioned tog yeah that's that it reminds me of like uh, i was looking at them uh and it kind of remind me of our sheep's head i was gonna say i think that yeah just like the sheep's head they're like i think they're cousins i think they're both ras from the ras family they, they are, are yeah really similar similar fish you know big bulky ugly looking fish but you know good good meat tasty to eat so, how do you how do you prefer your trigger fish trigger fish yeah uh, um you know i i I like to keep it simple with that you know i'll either do ceviche or I'll, or i'll just do you know bake it or or even just grill it you know that's the, that trigger fish is i we don't get a ton of them um but when when you get them, I just like to keep it simple because they're just, I mean, by itself, they're just so good. So, um, yeah, we do a lot of ceviche with those guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. and um, the I guess it's kind of interesting. You mentioned a few things that I wanted to jump on, but I yep. <laughs> I want to interrupt. Yeah. But uh, no, sorry, I, I kind of ranted and rambled there. <laughs> oh no, it's your show. It's yeah, yeah it's your time. <laughs> uh, I have a tendency to talk too much anyway, so. Um, so with the, uh, when you mentioned May and, and uh, when I lived on the East coast, I moved back there for uh, college and I remember yep. May, uh, in New Jersey and I saw, I went down there and they had this like amazing beach break, like a frame. And, uh, I just remember going to go rent a board and then yep. go surf. And I remember seeing guys like out in wetsuits. And I was like, well, I'll just suck it up, whatever, for like 10 minutes. Uh, I, the way it looks really good. And um, I had no idea. I put my foot in that water. <laughs> and yeah, you said 45, you're not bullshitting. Like, No, it's cold. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, this is dangerous. Yeah, I'm going back. Like, I'd never even got up to my knees, I don't even think. Um, no. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty freaking cold. I mean, we get I'd, – I'd say – I'd say February, March is probably our coldest here. And and I'll go in the water for shellfish that time of year, but it's got a it's a quick, quick dive. I'm wearing a now I've got a seven mil, but I used to do it in a five. 
and uh yeah so i'll 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 do, I'll do a seven mil for maybe maybe 30 40 minutes and then i gotta get out otherwise i'm starting to get dangerous uh so it's just you know because it, it's in the high 30s in the in the winter here or even mid 30s it's yeah um, but but you know it's you got to deal with you got to dive with the conditions you're dealt with that's what that's the biggest thing about diving here is like if you wait for you wait for like only good days in the summer you're going to dive like four days out of the year <laughs> yeah so, i mean that's the kind of the thing we always preach about like you can't yeah. shoot fish on land you know um right and, and you get better when you and then you appreciate it when it's nice too but if you wait it when it's good like you probably go out three times a year you know right yeah and then it's you know it's um you gotta just you start to learn like what what conditions are going to favor certain spots or certain types of certain points or breaks or you know where to dive in, in the lead when to dive in the lead when not to and you know tides it all comes into play and that's what spearfishing has becoming really popular in new england the last i don't know especially the last like three years but the last like five six years um two or three especially um we've had an explosion of of uh, club members in this, you know, tri-state spearfishing club that I'm uh, part of. And uh, anyway, that's where I kind of try to tell people that are new is like, you just have to try to try to read the wind and the tide. And, you know, cause the, the first question is where do, how do I find good viz? And it's like, you just, you, you kind of have to just learn, you know, and, and pick your spots and, and pick your, pick your tides. And, and then sometimes you just have to suck it up and dive in four, three, four foot viz. <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah. I understand that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you mind elaborating on that? Like sharing some of that? I don't know a lot. We have our trade secrets, but as far as the connection with, um, uh, visibility and current. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of, there's, there's never, there's not a silver, there's not a silver bullet to this. Certainly. Um, it's, it's kind of, so, but I can certainly give some tips that, you know, coupled with some experience and, and, you know, a handful of times of getting burned, I'm sure people can start to figure it out, but it's like, you know, incoming tide seems to always bring some, bring some cleaner water from the cleaner ocean water into the bays. And, uh, this is, this is maybe more, uh, site specific to some of the spots around Aquidneck Island I dive in, but, you know, incoming tide brings the cleaner water. Um, uh, early in the season, late in the season, when, when you don't have those big algae blooms, like in, in August, um, you know, August is pretty much this year, at least was shot, uh, for visibility. It was like, we had algae blooms and, um, you, so you got to get away from that. And then, uh, wind like direction. Red tide are you talking about or? Yeah. Yeah. Similar. It's, it's the same sort of thing, but we've got, you know, all the, uh, all, all the, <laughs> All, all the big mansions in Newport with, uh, you know, the five tons of fertilizer on their lawn. We get a big rainstorm in August and it runs off into the bay and it just, the whole, the whole blade, bay just blooms red and it's wild. I mean, you can't see anything. It, it goes to like two inch, two inch visibility. Um, so yeah, so if you're going to dive in, during a bloom, you got to find clear water. You got to get offshore or, or dive the incoming tide. But that's pretty, that's just a small time of the year. So the, the rest of it is you just need to start, start looking at maps and, and say, all right, it's blowing Southwest today, 20 knots. Where can I go? That's that I'm going to get some protection from that. Um, and you know, where can I go that maybe isn't 
isn't going to be subject to heavy, heavy current. And, and uh, once you have some experience with different spots, you say, okay, well, I got a moon tide today, so I got massive current. I'm not going to go in the spot with muddy, muddy bottom because it's just going to be all silted up and won't be able to see anything. I'm going to go to one of my spots that's rockier, and uh, you know, because the rocks aren't going to get picked up by the by the tide. Um, yeah, so it's it's like that's that's kind of that's the gist of it. I mean, you got to find find a lee if it's windy. Um, if you get heavy tide, pick a bottom type that's that's not going to be affected by the by the um, tide as much, and then you know try to pick your tide in terms of, um, you know, getting clean water. Uh, and that's kind of, that's a good, that's a good starting point. I think for anybody that's kind of, I mean, you can, that's pretty much all I, all I do. And I tend to find some pretty good viz, um, pretty consistently or certainly huntable. Yeah. Another like uh, tip I, I kind of do like on a new moon when there's uh -huh. much current, um, it's different because you have islands in Rhode Island, like, um, but uh with the with the small tides the set the water kind of settles down a little bit yeah yep yeah so that's like another little thing here we have santa Ana winds they blow uh, offshore yeah. and usually it's a safe bet if you go you know during or after santa Ana winds we get uh really nice clear water and yep. to be perfectly honest with you uh it doesn't really sound i'm not even sure why that is i don't I guess because we don't have the updwellings and from the onshore winds bringing up, kind of turning up the water a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, but I was going to say, I think it has to do with the upwelling. Right. Yeah. Cause I, uh, when I was younger, I would think it would blow all the dust and all the dirt in the water. Um, and then realize, you know, uh, that there's not so much. So, but usually yeah. with Santa Ana's, I try to surf. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that I know the surf up there is pretty good too. It's uh, I know there's a little slab. I think guys take a jet ski out offshore. You're grinning. Yeah, yeah. yeah we don't is. have to talk yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, that that that's a good spot. It's a hell of a dive spot too. Actually, shot some big fish over there over the years. Um, I mean, probably probably similar to California. Any 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 uh, any reef or break that that produces a big wave is also going to hold a lot of fish too. I think at least I, right, that's, that's the way over it is over here. It's similar. Uh, yeah. It's similar. Yeah. You structure, it. you know, right. Um, so it was really interesting. You, you mentioned to the uh, whole explosion in the, like the last five years. Yeah. And I kind of thought like we had the same thing and yep. um, I kind of thought it was because we had like the bluefin. So it turned into like a gold rush out here where it was like, and yeah. I'm just curious. I'm. It was interesting to hear it from your side because I don't know if you guys had something similar, or is it social media, or like what sparked that? Because it's like I would say spearfishing is kind of like surfing in the '60s now, where yeah. it just you know the whole Gidget era just like blew up, and then yeah, yeah. I'm just curious. What, I mean, why, why do you think that is on your side? I think it's probably a combination. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the the bluefin. I remember I remember hearing and, and reading about the. Uh, bluefin rush out in california and like oh i almost booked a trip to just go check it out and try to try to shoot one which is you know it's funny even though we've got them here in our backyard but uh yeah i think it's a combination of i think social media plays a massive role in this right um because it's people don't re people have people that live here all their lives people that have grown up here maybe even 
maybe they sail, maybe they fish. I, I grew up fishing and, uh, but it's nothing compared to like the world, the underwater world. So you start seeing videos, little GoPro clips of, you know, what, what some of the guys over here see underwater and how much life there is. I, I mentioned, I mentioned that how, how much life there is, even though the visibility can be poor sometimes. And, but it, I, I mean it like it's incredible um, compared to like some places in the Caribbean or Hawaii. I think there's more, there's more marine life here. It's just harder to see, but um, anyway, kind of digress. I think that social media has kind of, opened up that world that underwater world that we have here and shown that to a lot of people that otherwise never would have seen it and people that already have a connection with the ocean because they grew up here said i've just kind of taken it and said oh man i'm gonna i want to jump in i want to see that you know whether they get into just snorkeling or whether they go out and you know drop a thousand bucks on dive gear and snorkels and masks and guns i mean you know i've seen i've seen the spectrum there but I mean, when I started, just to give you an idea, when I started, I, I did join, I did join a club that kind of since, I wouldn't say dissolved, but it, you know, it's kind of been taken over by this, this new, new spearfishing club. There were probably just a couple, a couple people my age um, that were in it. And the rest were like, you know, this dozen or so guys that were that have been doing it for their whole lives they were a lot they were you know they're now in their 50s and 60s but they were really like i said there was maybe a dozen people i knew in the whole state and uh, mass connecticut rhode island really the tri-state area now i think that tri-state spearfishing club that i'm in has over 200 i think it's over 200 members now um wow most of them most of them joined in the last have started spearfishing in the last few years people i work with have started um it's just yeah, my friends i've got my some of my friends into it so i i think that it has to do with social media and which is just spread the word to like what what we have in our backyards and what what is underwater because you can go fishing and not catch a damn thing all day and you go home and yeah it was nice that you're on the boat but you know you get you hop in the water and you know, it's just, it's incredible. You dive, you, you know what it's like. <laughs> it's just a different world. Yeah, I think that's that connection. I feel like we, as divers, have that mm. fishermen don't necessarily have because exactly what you said, you, you, you have an idea. I mean, I'm always impressed by fishermen that can find fish by yeah. simply using all the tools and things like that, where we, you know, jump in and see, and those guys are kind of doing it blind. I mean, we have an idea based on like you said the conditions but it's always impressive um but yeah when you think you, you're picturing when you're fishing you're always picturing stuff in your head like what's going right. on down there and then yeah you dive down when you're when you're diving and it's like oh my god like it's way more going on here than i thought or it's a ghost town or you know and you realize how really handicapped you are when you're fishing compared to yeah. when you're diving, you know, you can be super right. selective. Like, um, the yeah. only thing I wish, and to be completely honest, you could do as divers is like, I love catch and release and it would yeah. be amazing if you could somehow, I know they tag fish too, shoot a fish and then just release it or something like that, that <laughs> wouldn't just sink down and die and get eaten. I guess it doesn't go right. to waste, but still, you know, 
Yeah. Well, so that's part of the reason I've gotten back into my uh, my underwater photography is because because sometimes if I've if I've got a, a freezer full of fillets and you know um, I've been eating fish you know three times a week I'll take my camera out and you know it's like it, you know if I can get close enough it's harder to take a photo of a fish than it is to plug it with a shaft you know uh, if I can get close enough and still enough that I can take a good photo I mean that's that's a win that's like a that can that could be like a trophy i've taken a few photos before that like to me i'll remember and and uh i'm more proud of more proud of than like a, a big trophy bass that i have so or that i've shot you know and eaten so that's to me like my has kind of become my catch and release i guess you know in a way you know yeah that makes actually perfect sense i think because the whole GoPro thing kind of, for me, you know, I would always come home because I started diving quite a bit of time, you know, quite a long time ago. And I remember yeah. I'd come home and tell my wife, like all these, you know, this happened to me today, or I saw this, I saw that. And, and like, just like a fisherman, I guess she didn't really get it, you know? Right. And, it, and then how like, can, how can you? Right. You really can't. This is so unique. I feel like we have such an advantage even over biologists and stuff. It's like, I can tell you firsthand if that is a healthy kelp, not by sitting at the dock and taking measurements. You know, that's why I think it's so right. powerful when you have guys that do both because they get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, when you introduce the GoPro thing, like when everybody introduced their GoPro thing, um, I use uh, Acaso just because I don't really want to spend a lot of money on a GoPro because I don't plan yep. on making anything professional. And uh, yeah, a little plug to those guys. I started using those guys' cameras like three years ago uh, for like a hundred bucks and it was pretty good. Yeah. So anyways. What's what's the name of it? It's uh, Acaso. Acaso. Oh, I'll have to check yeah. that out. Yeah. yeah. And, it, um, and again, I mean, I guess shameless self-promotion here, but like those guys, they're uh, really good people to deal with but um i use those that's, cameras that's important yeah yeah and they're like uh the cameras themselves are pretty impressive for yeah. i basically i work just to get into this a little bit because i know people are yep. going, oh you're trying to push product well yeah i am actually because it's a really good deal <laughs> like you're trying to hook yeah, your sure. butt yeah um one of the guys an engineer at my work came up to us and they used uh cameras and they would put them on you know things we work with and he was like going off to me about how, you know, GoPro has the name and all this stuff. Yeah. And uh, so he told me there's really good cameras or whatever. So I got a popular mechanics and I just kind of Googled, Googled and then popular mechanics is like the best on, you know, underwater cameras for under a hundred bucks, under 200 bucks, whatever. Yeah. So I tried the uh, Caso. I don't, I think it was like a 7,000 or something. And um, it, it was like, yeah, it was, 89 bucks or something like that at the time wow yeah wow. right and uh you know at the time yeah they didn't have like the best i guess image stabilization and all of that and um but you don't even you you don't even need it underwater anyway you can't it, really use right, it so right. right but the bottom line for me going back to what i was originally going to say was like it it documented what i wanted to document so i could come home and show my wife like check this out. And then when they, you know, we had kids, it was like, Hey guys, check this out. And yeah. then my daughter's like, dad, take me with you, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause you tell them all these stories and it's like they, you know, they don't get it. And, and I'm like, I'm telling you, there was like 
a hundred, I did this one dive. This is at work. We, uh, one of the dolphins I used to work with marked something and, and, um, I did this dive and he had marked like a bunch of pipes, like, like look like, um, aluminum fencing or something. I don't know, but there must've been 300. I don't know. There was hundreds of lobster. All I saw was just eyes, you know? And it was one of those, like, and I'm thinking I'm like 25 at the time. I'm like pretty wild. And uh, I remember like thinking to myself, I don't even know where to begin. Like I don't. So I just looked at the biggest set of eyes, you know, biggest set of uh, antenna and went for it. And I ended up grabbing like four, like just from bear hugging. And yeah. I came up and I was screaming. Like, I think they thought I was getting attacked by a shark. Like, <laughs> I came up I'm like hit Mark, Mark, hit Mark, Mark. But they're like, what? <laughs> mark the spot like yeah and they're all just like what and they were asking you know what i saw so they can you know reward the dolphin accordingly i'm like it doesn't matter right now what matters is you mark this spot mark the spot you mark the spot <laughs> that's funny yeah. yeah but that's i mean it was all and i would love to be able to like you know again it's a story right but what, yeah i guess the stories are great because they earn your mind but uh yeah it's nice to be like oh uh brett's not full of shit look at this this is insane you know what i mean <laughs> yeah no absolutely no you're right uh i think that was the that was like the biggest reward for me when i started filming the filming some of my dives was i'd be able i'd come back i'd show my family and and uh uh you know my dad got into it after about the i think the same year i started diving my dad got into it um because i would tell him about it and he grew up same he grew up here fishing and fishing from a boat or from shore but all of a sudden you know at the time he was probably I don't know, 45, late, late forties. And he got in the water and was like, holy crap, this is wild. You know, you weren't kidding. So it just was, yeah, it's just, just like you said, you know, it's the, the very cool way to show other people the world that, you know, we get to see and experience. So pretty neat. So, I mean, you're obviously, you're comfortable where, what you're diving, where you're diving, what do you use in like, uh, or a little, what do you use first gear wise? And then have you found any, uh, techniques that kind of help you other than moving really slow in the bad biz? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I, I get all my, all my gear from, uh, a local shop. Great, great, great shop. Um, and he's also, he's an awesome guy too. His name is Mike Chase. Uh, front, the shop is new England free dive. Um, so he he hooked me up with all my gear and it's a combination of uh mares and uh rob allen so i use i use mares suits um which is which is nice because i they've got threes fives and sevens so so i i dive that i that covers my whole season you know i start off with a seven when it's 40 freaking degrees and um and then you know transition to my five in like june and then july and august i'll wear my three and and it's really nice it's comfortable and and then i you know go back to five and seven um yeah i, I like those they're I, they're pretty dark camouflage and i feel like the camouflage maybe doesn't help a whole lot it's more of a marketing thing but man i i can get i can get down and, and really hide in the rocks which is kind of like what I, what i like to do i like to find a crevice kind of pull myself in and and hang on if i'm hunting bass um and then the Rob Allen roller guns, Mike turned me onto those a few years ago, and uh, he gave me an 80 centimeter roller. And I mean, I don't even—I've lost track of how many fish I've—I've I've gotten with that thing. It's—it's it's like a total workhorse. 
I, I, I abuse that thing. Um, and it's just, it's an absolute laser and it's great because it's such a small, it's such a small gun, but the roller, I mean, it's got so much power. I have, you know, I can bring down, I can bring down a, a, a little tog from, from 18 inches away just as easily as I can, I can drop a 40 pound bass, um, at, at a decent, at decent range. Um, and then I've got a longer one too, for, for if we go to Block Island or we go offshore. And, uh, I mean, that thing's not even fair. It's like, it's just like point and shoot, you know, at, at, at some pretty ridiculous range. It's, it's a, it's a 110, I think. I don't use it a whole lot. Um, just cause the 80 covers such a wide range. So, so that's, that's my gear right there. And, and, uh, I mean, I, I've just been using that for years now and, and, uh, a wife, wife fix what's, what's, what's not broken, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I have a roller too. And like you said, it's, it's a laser as far as you want to shoot it, whether it penetrates, you know, I think the only thing that holds it back is just penetrating. I mean, I've taken 25 yeah. shots, 27 foot shots. Um, yes, it's wild. The, yeah and know. i think you kind of roller that's a great tool too there as far as with the rocks because it's a powerful gun and it's easy to maneuver around and it's a powerful gun little package yeah 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 i'll shoot fish in holes just as just as easily as i'll shoot them shoot them out in the open with that thing so um and there's no recoil which is which is kind of nice um so it's a nice nice transition from what i and i started with just some some wood guns that i built um rail guns and uh they're great they still have them but really they all just kind of collect dust at this point i just use that those two rollers 100 percent of the time <laughs> um i think the other reason that i like the uh the roller but i mean i've always i've always kind of been really picky with with my guns in terms of accuracy um the worst thing in the world for me is if i if i hit a fish and don't land it um you know i just i just cannot get over that's just a terrible feeling that takes me a while to get over so i i try i try as hard as i can not to lose any fish for the whole year and uh this year i lost one last year i think i don't think i lost any so i you know i'd really try not to take that shot unless uh i know i'm gonna nail him you know right in right in the gill and uh um have a good holding shot and i think that is another reason i like the rollers so much is because i can put that shaft exactly where it's going to go exactly where i i want it to go um so that's a that's pretty important to me so yeah so is there as far as you know you're diving in new england where else have you have you dove uh throughout the world because i think you travel quite a bit right for work or just yeah yeah i i, I do a lot of traveling for work um and uh kind of just since I got into diving, I've been lucky enough to do some traveling through, through work and school. And I always try to, you know, try to get in the water when I, I get to a new place. Um, so I've got, I've got a buddy that lives out in Hawaii, Dylan Courier, you probably, is this, we've still have a small enough, uh, you know, world in the diving community that you might, might know him. He's a great diver from, from Newport also. And, uh, um, anyway, visited him out in Hawaii and, 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 uh, he showed me big Island and we, we did a lot of diving out there together. And, uh, it's funny, actually, Dylan and I used to be, we were really close as kids, like, you know, ages four, probably four to like six, we were, we were really close. And then 
kind of lost contact for probably 10 or 15 years and then got got, got, got kind of re rekindled that that friendship through through diving and uh, got back diving together and then then I visited him out in Hawaii and uh, um, like I said he showed me Big Island that's a, that's just an incredible place to dive um, I mean clear water dolphins I remember the first day I went there listening to whales underwater while we were while we were diving in the reef I mean I've never that's something I'd never experienced in New England so that was that was incredible um, uh, just a lot of and also interesting like totally different hunting technique out there i mean the water's so clear and the fish are so skittish that like i remember i worked my butt off to shoot them to shoot a moo you know I, I i it took me days and i was you know you know diving diving at 60 70 feet click you know clicking rocks together and stay, laying on the bottom for a couple minutes before i shot one little moo you know i mean it just it's pretty impressive what those guys do out there um so that that was a cool spot to dive. Um, I don't I spent... know. We just uh, we just talked about that exact same thing in the last oh, yeah. podcast with really? uh, my buddy oh, my about in Clearwater having to like climb into. I mean, working your ass off, diving among your limits, and hold it, staying on the bottom for like, and then to shoot a fish, you know, that's like this big. So yeah, and it. <laughs> yeah. But but I've never been more proud of something like that too. Right. Right. You, you literally feel like I am a hunter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, you've really outsmarted that thing and you finally, finally got it. Yeah. It's only a pound, <laughs> a pound and a half, but I mean, it's uh it's, it's a victory. Um, so that, that was a pretty amazing place to be. And uh, uh, I was lucky enough when I was over at URI, at University of Rhode Island studying, studying my undergrad. Um, I spent, I don't know, four or five weeks in the British Virgin Islands doing, doing some research on coral reefs. And I did a lot of diving out there and I got, got to shoot lionfish at will all for, for a month, you know, and, uh, and I'll give it to the um, local chef and he would prepare it. So that was, that was kind of a cool experience too, but also totally different. Um, just, just, it, you know, different to be able to, or to have to be really cautious with something that you shoot and you know hand, and handling it we don't have that up here um yeah i'm trying to think i think the closest well, thing we have here to something like that would be a sculpin yeah you know? like yep. um i got stuck by one of those one time when i was younger yep. and yeah i tried everything pissing on it i <laughs> like i yeah. tried everything it does i was just hot water you know for for yeah. the sculpin um with that's with, <laughs> With Hawaii diving, Hawaii did what all did you guys shoot? Or did you did you have like a target list because you're there? You really want to get one of these, or so I I did really I really wanted to get a moo, so that was great. Um, I also really wanted to get an uku, but I didn't get one. Um, that was that was uh, you know job fish. That was my other that was my other goal, and uh, I ended up I did see one. Um, but I was kind of at the end of my dive and it was down, down below me. It was deeper down on the reef. And, um, I had already had a close call that trip. Actually, uh, we don't have to get into, I don't know. We don't have to spend time talking about that, but I, I did have a shallow water blackout that Dylan, uh, saved me from on like day two. Uh, so I, I was not about to chase that thing down the reef and, uh, you know, down another 10, 15 meters. Yeah. So, well, we can talk about that if you want. I mean, I actually, so 
I literally going to post, I probably post by the time this airs, whatever I've already posted this, but, um, this week I talked to a widow of yeah. one of our guys locally here that passed away last year during lobster season. And, um, I actually wanted to say that I thought about this is such a weirdo. I am. I woke up super early thinking about that because I was really impressed with the, with the woman. Um, her name's Diane Huff and Ryan yep. Huff was her, uh, her husband, you know, she's got two kids, but cause she was pretty like drive on ish as far as, um, you know, like it is what it is and how can I make this do better? And so she was doing a, um, like kind of a fundraiser thing, putting people through, trying to get it to where everybody can go do a dive class regardless of money, uh, yeah. which I thought was great. Um, it's a great uh, idea. Yeah. And so one thing I thought it was like, if you're a competitive person, um, like some of us are, I mean, some of us are more competitive than others. Totally understand. Uh, I had a good friend that mentored me and he said, Hey Brett, you know, people like us, we die in this sport. And he was a professional surfer, uh, my friend Colin Smith. And then I was a, you know, a collegiate athlete and, um, you know, with diving, how you have this like, uh, or I guess with any sport right on land, it's like that drive, right? That drive, that drive right. to be better. And like, just for even divers, it drives us to go deeper and, and hunt moo and try to like shoot these hard fish. Well, it's like that drive that, you know, you overstay your welcome by like 10 seconds because I, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And um, he said that, and it kind of stuck with me uh, over the years because it's like, I constantly have to keep myself in check. Um, and so Diane was sharing the story with Ryan about uh, Ryan. And um, she was saying that he had already got his legal limit of lobster, but apparently because he was with his buddies or, or i'm not sure then he saw a sheep's head she's like i can i could totally picture him doing this oh sheep's head this would be awesome i get limited lobster get my ceviche on my sheep's head and apparently he got tangled up or something happened not really sure blacked out and died right yeah and he said that and it was like and i was like uh yeah i could totally understand that yeah. and i shared that story with my wife too and she's like yep i could totally see that we lost a guy at work too one time um, found him under the pier. Uh, he had drowned and nobody knew what happened except the guys that, you know, we trained together all the time and dived together all the time. We're like, yeah, he's getting lobster on the pier. Like, I know that cause right. we showed him that. <laughs> like, right. You know, and it was just at night or whatever. But, um, you'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny Island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Do you mind sharing the story? Uh, well, first, do you, do you, have you taken a dive class before? I, I have. So, so I actually went. I went to Hawaii. I spent a couple of weeks weeks there with the I, my my main goal and intention was was to take a class. Like I mean, this was this was let's see, maybe two years ago. I had already been diving for I don't know ten years at that point, but never but but all all through a, a very lucky I guess set of trial and trial and error. Learn you know learning myself really doing some 
internet research. Like I said, when I started this, it was new. The sport was not, was not well studied, not like, not a lot of people did it. So I kind of was fumbling in the dark as a 13, 14 year old kid. Um, I made it <laughs> luckily. And, uh, but I decided, I said, you know, uh, Dylan's super into, you know, everything, you know, diving safe is being as safe as you can. He's an instructor for FII. I'm going to go down. I'm going to take a class with uh, Martin uh, Stepanik, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Anyway, and I'm yeah, going to do yeah. some diving, diving with Dylan and I'm going to, I'm going to clean up my, any bad habits from a technique wise, I'm going to become a better diver, which I totally did. Um, and I'm going to also become a safer diver and uh, learn about physiology of, of blacking out. You know, that's, that sort of, sort of stuff interests me anyway, from a science background, I think. Well, the class was supposed to start on, I think the third day I was there. So the second day I was in the second day I was there, I was doing some diving with Dylan, uh, and Brandon Hendrickson, um, another guy you might might know of. Anyway, we were just we were just warming up in a place place called Two Step, a pretty pretty famous spot to just do some line diving. And uh, yeah, I mean just just during warm ups, I I wasn't I was not pushing myself. I um I I went down. I was changing the way I was doing my breathe up a little bit, you know, which later we figured out was the reason why I blacked out but um anyway yeah I went went down the line hung out was hanging out at 50 feet um just kind of relaxing and uh feeling way too good and that was the that was the thing you know that's a that's a symptom of hypoxia is like this euphoria and what uh, what prompted me to come up was I looked at my watch and it was just just over two minutes was was and uh, I, I remember thinking, that's not right. For like my second dive of the day, it's February. I haven't dove, I haven't dove in two or three months, and I'm jet lagged. Like, what the hell? This something's wrong. So I started pulling my way up the line, and uh, yeah, I just I don't remember anything after that. So, um, from Dylan's perspective. Thank God he was watching. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. As my dive buddy, he was watching me from the surface. We're in hundred foot viz, so I got lucky. That's another thing I got lucky with. He could see me, and uh, he was about to come get me because he noted because he was watching his watch too. He's about to come get me when I started my way up the line, and uh, I made it about halfway up. I was still almost ten meters down, and he said I stopped. I exhaled all my all my air and I sank. And yeah, L- LMC, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. Total total oh it was a total total blackout. Um so he came down, scooped me, and uh brought me up. And then the next thing I remember is I woke up and I was looking at and my mask was off and I was looking on the surface at Dylan and Brandon. Brendan, who I just met Brendan like that that day. But I knew he's a hell of a diver too. He was, had just set a bunch of records, so it was it was a couple good faces to see. Uh, <laughs> but that was that was it, man. I mean, like those guys saved my life. I was I was I was sinking. You know, it's I don't know. I yeah. forget. I think it's like 150 feet, 200 feet there. I I was on my way down. But the thing that I try to tell people when we talk about diving safely and they're like, Oh yeah, you know, I just don't push, I don't push it. 
I mean, I didn't think I was pushing it either. And I didn't see it coming. I didn't feel it coming. It just happened. It just turned, you just, you're just, you shut off. Your eyes go black and you don't see, you don't feel anything. Just Yeah, I just think that's a, a, a huge point right there. It's like, uh, you know, there's, nobody's- There's no warning. Yeah, nobody tells you you're going to get in a car accident today, right? Right. Like, yeah, it's the same um, thing. And you drive safe. You try to drive safe every day. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so, what was it in your breathe up? Did you guys talk about? Because I have some experiences with some friends and and along the same line. Uh, and I just recently did a dive, my buddy, and I was like, oh, two minutes. Wow, that's really good for me. I feel great. And uh, yeah. And immediately it was the same. Immediately it was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like, because I yeah, know myself and, and it wasn't even deep. It was 30 feet, but like. Um, right, right. Doesn't and, matter. Yeah. And it was yeah. funny because I was just sitting there on the bottom, just kind of taking it all in and, and there was no issue or anything. And um, I was fine when I came up, but I, I keep asking myself, why was that dive so good? Because yeah. I want to try to repeat that because it was awesome. Like. And I right. remember my breathe up and what I was doing and then hearing your story, it was like, it kind of put in a different perspective. Well, maybe you were, you know, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Cause the hypoxia, that's a, that's a big symptom is euphoria and just this overall like good, good feeling, uh, which is kind of, kind of scary. But um, so we, we figured out that what I had been doing was I, I was I was breathing kind of deeply and exhaling kind of purposely and when I was exhaling I was I was forcing that exhale a little a little hard and I did a pretty long breathe up so it, I wasn't really hyperventilating in the sense where you, where you think of hyperventilating when you hear the word but I really was doing the same effect I was I was purging that carbon dioxide out of my system with that forced exhale and I was taking a nice deep breath in, purging that, purging again. And over the course of, I don't know, a few minutes of doing that, um, I had dropped my carbon dioxide level so low in my body, in my bloodstream, that, you know, for anybody who doesn't, doesn't know kind of the physiology of, of breath holding and, and uh, a quick little thing is uh, that urge to breathe if you're just sitting there you you take a deep breath right now and hold your breath that urge to breathe is not a lack of oxygen it's a buildup of carbon dioxide in your system so if you hyperventilate before you take a breath what you've effectively done is you've eliminated your body's warning system you that that alarm that triggers you to say i need to breathe so i had done that i removed that that trigger system that my body was telling wanted to tell me to breathe um, so my oxygen levels were dropping like normally, but they dropped to a point, they hit a, they hit a point where my brain shut everything down to save oxygen and, you know, save the brain because my oxygen levels were so low, but I never got that. I never got that urge to breathe. Even when I was coming up, the only reason I started, like I said, was because I saw the watch. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's what I did during the breathe up was basically get rid of that CO2 uh, accident I, totally accidentally. I mean, I already knew that hyperventilating was bad, but um, I just didn't know I was also doing it in a different way. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of interesting because um, like I was saying, I was on the bottom and I, and I, you know, I hit two minutes, but usually yeah. most of my dives are 130, you know, 140, 
um, on a, you know, whatever, just 140 good dive. And to be just to go over that by a little bit was bizarre. Um, Cause it wasn't yeah. like, I was like, oh, okay. I thought it was, maybe I took a good rest. Like I really allowed like good recovery time and it could have been, it could have been, but that, that, um, yeah, very well might've been that. Yeah. Um, Cause I always say like spearfishing is not free diving and you realize right. that when you go free diving, it's like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but that's, uh, and then your buddies were there. To, and that's the big thing too. Your, your buddies were there. Um, but I, one thing you said that I thought was interesting is your friend Dylan looked at his watch and was like, Oh, two minutes. So clearly he either knew you cause you guys grew up together and you dove together or you had discussed like, this is usually my dive time. Uh, you know, this is normal for me. Would you guys do anything like that? So now we do. Um, but at the time we hadn't really discussed that. I think so. He, he was about, he was like on his way down base, just about, about to die down when, when I started coming up because he saw oh, two minutes, that's not really like his warm up shouldn't be two minutes like at, he said at first when i was at <laughs> right. one one minute 120 140 he was like damn you know he's really he's he's killing it today already but you know when i hit that two minutes and you know he was like oh, i'm gonna go check on him you know this is something's wrong and that's and that's you know had we planned a little bit better um it would have never gotten to that point if we had said all right i'm gonna go down for a minute and warm up and then the next dive i'm going to do 120 because we're just like i said we're just warming up for a morning of line dives um then at that time if i didn't come up because i was basically you know um you know what's uh, what's that not not narked yeah is it narked it's kind of the same thing as scuba diving right when you get the uh nitrogen narcosis Sim right. similar feeling similar feeling yeah. you know past 100 feet you know 90 yeah. feet starts it's similar feeling anyway so had I gotten to that point, that, that time limit we'd set, he would have just come down or he would have pulled the line and kind of snapped me out of it. And I would have come up and I, it would have, I never would have blocked out. But so that was, that was something we could have done next time or, you know, something that, you know, we, we do now is when we talk about that kind of stuff ahead of time. Yeah. I was uh, doing a dive with a friend. Uh, we were doing line diving, the same kind of situation. We would do it every like Wednesday. Yeah. And he was an instructor and he would go down and I watched him go to a hundred feet and hang there for two minutes. Yeah. And, um, I was always blown away by that cause I'm not doing that and I'll admit it. Like I'm not doing it. I'd like to, but I just, I can't do it yet. Yeah. And, um, he did it one day we went, he went down and he just did a, a minute hang. And I, I think it was a minute hang and he came up and you know, we're all there watching each other and he had an LMC and, uh, and he started to black out and it was just the most random thing. And, and we were talking about it and it really kind of perplexed him because he's supposed to be this instructor. And he's like, why did this happen? Uh, I do the same thing every day. And I mean, it could be, I guess, talking to a lot of guys, it's like, it could be your diet that day. I mean, it could yeah. be anything. I mean, no, one day, yeah, it's, it's anything. Right. And like, I remember one day, like I had tried to go to a hundred feet for the longest time and again it was like terrible because uh that meatheadness takes over and it's like i'm gonna get 200 feet we get 200 feet and it's the yeah. total and i i swear this one day i just felt amazing nothing yeah. doing nothing wrong just, i remember i went to 93 feet and i was like i don't understand why it's so easy today and every other time 
you know, or whatever. Some days I go down, I start getting the urge to breathe at 30 feet. And I'm like, are you kidding me, Brett? Calm down. It's only like you've been yeah. doing this for like 25 years. Like, calm down. It, you know what I mean? It's really weird. Yeah. It's like a, it's a mental thing more than anything. Oh, for sure. That's what I tell people when they, <laughs> when they start out, you know, the, um, yeah, I mean, and I think part of the, you know, we talked about the sport exploding. Um, and that's my biggest, when I talk to people that are just get, starting out, especially, especially if you're good, you know, especially if you, you really take to the sport, it's like, whoa, slow down. You know, like this is, you need, you need to really understand, you know, this progression of, of you diving and, uh, you can really hurt yourself if you don't slow down and, and kind of respect it. Um, you know, because that's kind of the, that's my biggest worry with this. When I see so many people getting into this sport is it's not just like surf it's, you know, surfing certainly dangerous, but there's, but if you just want to like go, go surf in some small waves as a, as a beginner, you're probably okay. You know, um, you can, if you take to this diving thing, your first or second day diving, you can black out. And that's, that's the, that's the end of it, you know? Um, so it's just something I try to talk to people about. But. Yeah, it's uh, I that's a good point. The, the kind of the surfing comparison, it would be like saying, okay, we're going to learn to surf today in 30 foot waves if you want right. to. And like, yeah, sure. Okay. You know, it's just like, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. It's yeah. But no, no, that's a, that's a good analogy. Um, you, you have that ability to, if that's what you want, you can be the, like, um, so this is another thing I kind of went on a tangent about, I guess the other day, and I'm usually like try to be, fairly uh you know neutral but i was kind of like i couldn't I, I was thinking about it the other day I, what basically my friend said what do you think about the free diving classes when some of the older guys or some people say um they're bad don't take a free diving class they'll force you to push yourself and you'll black out and i can definitely see and i kind of went off on <laughs> i could definitely yeah. see what they're talking about just like those people that start progressing it's like yeah i'll go but you don't really understand that it's after a weekend um yeah you could push yourself but i think with the freediving class you're you're number one if you do that and you want to push yourself um Okay, it's on you. but it, it's, on it, you. <laughs> it's on you, but uh, ho hopefully with the free diving class and you've been doing it with your buddies, yeah, you can push yourself like what happened with you, not even really pushing yourself. If you, if the situation does arise because you know, you're diving, you know, X amount of depth or whatever it is, you have your buddies there to rescue you. And so that was kind of my point. I was like, well, I'd rather be, you know, risk mitigation than just stick my head in the sand and then have it come up and bite me in the ass because it could happen at 30 feet too. So, right. yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I think I'm with you there. The, um, I think it's, yeah, I guess it depends on, it depends on the person, you know, they can take a class and look at it just as a vehicle to get to some depth milestone or time time on bottom milestone that they have in their mind and if that's the case they're totally missing the point of the class and they're totally missing the danger aspect that we're trying to avoid by getting this instruction but if you take a class and you do it so that you can become a not only a better diver but a safer diver um then i think i think it's beneficial i mean i think a lot of it's up to the instructor too to really kind that, of reinforce yeah that, yeah you know? yeah yeah absolutely yeah, the idea is not to go as deep for as long as you can. It's, it's to go as 
eat for as long as you can and guarantee you're coming up. You know, it's yeah, it's, safely uh, and comfortable. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm right in the park where you were talking about, you've been diving for 10 years, then you took a class and I honestly, I'd Googled a lot of stuff, uh, you know, over the years. So I learned, knew a lot of it, but I never really applied to it. And then like, it was like the 2% yeah. of stuff that I didn't know was totally game changing. Oh yeah. And in a lot of ways it's I was absolutely. embarrassed to admit it. Yeah. Cause I was like, I should know everything. I've been diving forever. Well, yeah. And then next thing you know, you're comfortably diving to 60 feet, not diving to 60 feet. Uh, and right. like you're going to die and then you can go a little bit deeper and slowly do like, I heard someone say you should go like a meter or something like that, a, a six months or a year or something super slow, which I thought was interesting to hear that. Huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I guess everybody progressed differently, but that was, uh, but just like you said, taking a class was to me, I mean, just, just cleaning up my technique made myself such a more efficient diver that I had way more gas in the tank every time I would make it to the bottom, you know, uh, I would, you know, whether it's just tucking my arm in, tucking my gun a little differently, kicking differently, my water entry was better. I mean, you know, you, I, I made it work before that because I was a teenager and just, you know, knew everything and uh, was athletic enough to just bomb down there and, bomb down to 40 50 60 feet and shoot stuff <laughs> you know yeah. i didn't i didn't need to be i didn't need to be like clean about it you know that's a super so. good point i think what you mentioned is you know cleaning up your technique but the whole efficiency thing it was like yeah efficiency all of a sudden wild yeah i can sit on the bottom for twice as long three times as long as i did before even right. the dives aren't even that much longer but i cleaned up so much efficiency that i'm yeah. on the bottom quicker and i'm comfortably here and yeah. then, yeah, it was funny. I, I totally understand. It was like, okay, I can go to 60 feet. Not that I really went much deeper after the class, but it was just like way more enjoyable and way yeah. easier. Yeah, you could do that all yeah. day long. Right. The motor's still there. Yeah, that didn't change, but you just got a whole lot more efficient. So that was, that was the cool thing about it. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I mean, I know uh, I want to be cognizant of time. And I know. Yeah, we've, I know we've kind of, uh, we kind of went on a, on a tangent about the whole <laughs> that blackout stuff is it's there. good stuff you want, though. It, it is yeah i mean do you want to do you want to touch on some other stuff before we uh i mean I, I don't even know what time it is um but or uh yeah you, let's you get tell going. me all right sure yeah. yeah let's do it um sounds good so do you have any like trips planned like any dream trips or places you'd really like to go um you know and diving dive specific yeah i mean well man i want to go to the azores in a bad way uh and do some do some do some diving out there it's uh i i went there a couple of years ago and didn't get in the water and it's just like kind of been burned in my mind since then because i saw a i'll never forget i saw a tuna feed from from the shore like uh, just you know almost shore diveable maybe half mile out i saw a freaking tunas jumping out of the water and birds birds working them and and i've seen photos underwater of uh of right. people diving out there and so the azores is definitely high on that list um well you give California. me a call when you want to go out there you give me a call because i'll join you <laughs> all right so I'm, I'm in yeah. i'm in it's funny so it's it's not even uh it's so close to to like new england it's it's like a four-hour plane ride it's not it's not bad um so uh it, it's feels like this exotic far away place but it's close um so anyway uh 
California too, as, as much as I've been there for work, I've never gotten in the water out there. So that's another one on the list. And uh, Alaska is probably the other one. Alaska or some, or, or even, or even some of the, one of the Scandinavian countries in Nor Norway would be pretty epic. That, that sort of, that sort of climate, that sort of dive, dive conditions, cold, but also clear and, you know, with big, big, big uh, fish, that to me is pretty attractive. Um, I like diving in the Atlantic. So the North Atlantic would be pretty cool. So, or, yeah. the, or the North or the North Pacific, like I, I said. I'm um, actually right there with you on that one. I remember I was watching a fishing show years ago. Yeah. And they were catching rockfish, like it just is insane. And then they let, they think they dropped a camera down. And it reminds me of what we were talking about before where the guys are fishing and then they uh, yeah. don't realize. And they dropped a camera down and it was probably the fishiest thing I've ever seen. And yeah. it was just insane. And I think what it is too, like even in your area, there's not that much pressure as far as diving because there's just not too many people that do it. Maybe, I don't know, New England's probably the same, but I mean, uh, those places like that, people are always like, are you guys crazy? That, I would not go on a vacation and go somewhere where I got to wear a no. seven mil, you know? No, yeah. And I always, yeah, always yeah. say, I'm all about the exploring because you never know what you're going to find. And you never know, uh, you know, we used to go to some really shitty places for work, but I always thought it was really cool for the experience, at least to go once. I would definitely wouldn't go yeah. back some of them, but it was really cool to get this experience and um, to be one of the few that have had it. And then again, like I was saying, you just never know what you're going to find. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I a similar, similar sort of thing over here. I, I'm always trying new spots. And I mean, yeah, you get skunk sometimes because... But if you go to your same spots that you can always depend on, if you just always return to those, I mean, how do you find the new ones? You know, I found I found wrecks, I found caves, I found valleys that I feel like some people don't even maybe maybe there hasn't been a person there in I don't know a thousand years. Kind of kind of a cool kind of a cool thought to have when you're when you're swimming through a a canyon or something like that in the middle of the ocean that you know you just kind of stumbled upon because you found it on your depth sounder and it's not even marked you know that kind of thing is pretty neat so i try to do the same thing over here is just explore um but yeah in terms of places i want to go there's a there's a big list but that's that's probably the the top few on my list is the you know i'd love to shoot a freaking halibut man <laughs> i got, cool a, I got, I got a spot for you yeah <laughs> I'd like to uh, shoot one too. I just get distracted too much on other things. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Uh, you know, some of those places you, you talk to people about where you want to go or where you've been and they don't understand why the hell you'd want to go there. And yeah. it's like, if you want to shoot the same fish that everybody else is sh sh shooting, you know, if you, and that's fine too, because you know, fish tastes like fish depending on how you prepare it but right. i like to really hunt like i know i can go to this one spot it's like going to the grocery store and that's yep. cool yeah same thing yeah and, and i and i and i don't mind that it's almost like if we go offshore and strike out it's like do you guys want to hit the reef and just get some tacos or something yeah uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you know um but then also like these little spots i try to like be selective and limit the amount of pressure on them so i by doing that it 
if having so many different spots, it's funny. People are like, Oh, they closed this down. I'm like, I got plenty of spots. You can close that down all you want. I got yeah this spot, this spot. And even then it'll force you to go find a new spot. And that's pretty cool. Like you're talking about being the first person to like, or you think, you know, it's like when you find a secret spot that, you know, everybody and their brother knew about, they just didn't post about it, but um, you know, for surfing or something. Um, But it's just cool to find those spots and uh and have them as yours i have about four pages of uh latin longs from a fr- uh, friend that worked on a dive boat and he was just like a fanatic and he just kept all these records and yeah. i told i showed them to my where wife keep, go ahead where do you where do you keep that notebook <laughs> yeah exactly i told my wife i said uh i think someone would pay me like a lot of money for this um, I was like, I, 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 I feel like sharing some of them, but I'm not going to, and my daughter's like, dad, don't share your spots. I was like, and she doesn't dive at all. She's like, dad, the concept, come on, dad. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to share the more, more popular spots. But by doing that, it keeps my spot secure. Cause more people are think like, okay, they'll look at it at the right hand, but they're not seeing what the left hand's doing. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, That's funny. Do you have any plans uh, for this year with the COVID thing when that's done? Um, uh, it's funny. I was, well, so back to the Azores, you know, that I, um, I was just talking to some buddies about that, about trying to set up a trip this winter if, if we possibly can. I mean, we'll, we'll see if anything comes to fruition. It's we're just kind of at the conversation level now. And uh, same thing with the, with Alaska, it would, you know, how, how cool would it be, but can we swing it? I don't know yet. So, so nothing, we haven't we haven't nailed anything down. Um, you know, we're also I'll go back to just what I was talking about with New England in the beginning of the, of this uh, chat is that we still have. I mean, yeah, it's end of September, but we've still got two two months of solid diving left, and it's 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 the same locations, but it's a totally different game as it was two months ago and as it was four months ago. Um, different species, different styles, different different weather i mean, we start now we're getting north nor'easters and hurricanes you know it, now it's a totally different style of diving so it's uh well do you mind do you mind sharing about that as, too. as, as sure, far as yeah. like the style of diving you're talking about the season now changing yeah so i mean well one one thing is just freaking weather i mean um you know New, newport's like sailing capital of, of the east coast because in the summer you you can rely on the southwest 10 to 15 knots and coming in at one or two in the afternoon every day, every damn day. Uh, now in the fall, things change. Now we start getting Northwest, Northeast and Northeast wind can be tough. It's like, it, it's, it's cold. It really, really stirs things up and it can get, it can get nasty in a hurry, but um, like we've got fall migrations happening. So it's like, you you want to dive like like I was saying earlier. You can't pick and wait for your best days. So this is like you know you bundle up, you throw your suit on, you throw these you know your neoprene jackets on over it, and and who cares if you're soaked and cold? You're gonna be soaked and cold in the water too. I mean, so it's, is that when the stripes of, is that when the striped bass kind of show up in that fall? Is that what you're talking about when they start so, running? Yeah, so they 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 run again. I mean, they so they you know in recent years they've we've had this we've been lucky enough we've got this. Uh, hopefully I don't, I don't upset anybody too much. So we've given away too much information here, but there is a resident population that seems to hang out about six weeks or six weeks, eight weeks straight. Um, that does, it comes up in the, in the spring 
and it sticks around in the summer. It doesn't keep going up to Maine with the rest of them. So, and then um, the rest that move up to Maine come back down south and uh, we just get an influx of bigger fish. Um, so yeah, they, they pop up in more num greater numbers and uh, they've been feeding all heavy all summer. So they're, they're bigger size and uh, uh, same with the tog. They're, they're in there. They're now really starting to starting to chew and uh, get bigger and bigger for their winter winter holdover when they go offshore. So we just have a lot of, there's just a lot of life in the water and the, the water's still pretty warm right now, but um, it's mainly just weather. It can get crappy, but uh, viz gets a little bit better. You know, we're kind of just doing doing the whole run and gun style. Like um, I posted a, a, a video the other day of uh, out, out of my buddy's boat, Aaron Hampton, and uh, where <laughs> you know we 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 pull up, we find it, we find a school of fish that's that's working down on the bottom, and it's like, all right go, 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 you know, you hop off the rail, the, the boat and just you, you dive bomb down, you know, find your fish and come up and, and, uh, it's like, sounds it's, like bluefin, it honey. can be intense. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's probably, probably pretty similar. I mean, I, you know, I, I can't really compare stripers to bluefin, but, but it's probably a similar style in, in it, in the fact that like the school's moving the boats, you know, there's boats all over the place. There's rod and reel guys, trying to run you over and catch fish and and uh you're hopping off this moving boat in maybe 15 20 knot northeast wind with you know heavy heavy chop or swell hurricane swells too and you know you're dive bombing down getting your fish and coming up it's uh it's it's certainly a rush it's an adrenaline rush it's a little little different than some of the summer diving which is like you know beautiful yeah beautiful warm mornings and then you're and then you're exactly the espeto technique where you can just you're just laying down on the bottom wait, waiting for something to cruise by so it's a little different so your um, background your background is oceaneering right like that's what you were some, yeah sort of marine biology oceanography and and yeah ro underwater robotics so kind of oceaneering sort oh that's right okay stuff. Yeah, yeah, ocean, yeah um how do you think that has helped you you know, do you think it's even helped you as far as diving and like, how do you apply it to diving? Cause I mean, we both have a background in robotics and it's really nice to have robots find your spots for you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you think that has kind of prepared you or shaped your diving or where you, how you approach spots, I guess, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think, I think I understand I have a pretty good understanding of of the behavior of some of the fish that I that I target, and and certainly of the environment um, that I'm in. So uh, it goes back to what I was talking about with just the kind of oceanographic principles that I use to find clear water or find fish, and it's and it has to do with it's a combination. You know, it's experience being on the water my whole life, but it's also like the tides, the moons, the wind. Um, the structure, what I see down there, and and how that all comes to comes into play. Because one spot that might be great tomorrow afternoon might suck today. You know, it's so. I think that's does it help me in terms of my hunting and dive technique? I don't know if it does, but it does. It help me find the spots that I want to be at and find the fish. I think I think it does. Um, I think that's probably where it comes into play more. Um, awesome. No, that's good stuff. Um, 
so kind of wrap things up, I guess. Yeah. How, uh, how do people find you or, or do you have social media and, you know, reach out to you if they're in the area and like, Hey Dave, I want to dive. Uh, like <laughs> sure. Yeah. The, um, so I think without question, the, the, the my main, uh, main hub of, of communication and contact is through my Instagram. Um, the, my handle on that is Dave underwater. So pretty simple, Dave underwater, no spaces, no, no, nothing. Um, that's, that's my main thing. You know, I, I'm really into photography as well as, you know, videography for fun, but, um, photography, I've, I've got an underwater camera rig. So I, I try to try to take that out. And that is, like I said before, that's my catch and release, you know? So I, I take some underwater photos. I take a lot of seascapes and I share what I, what I share my experiences underwater and above water so that other people can kind of get that sense that maybe otherwise would never be able to. The real thing that so, I, the thing that I think is kind of cool about your photography is that, yep. you know, local guys and, you know, my friends, we see the same kind of photos, like it's yellowtail, yellowtail, and they're great yeah. photos. Um, your topography is just kind of different yep. out there. And so it's not, I don't see many of them like that. Um, and I don't know if it's cause this conditions are a little rough, but it's unique. So like senior striped bass pictures and things like that. I kind of, and the, and the way the eelgrass is or whatever, I really like it because it's unique in a way that is different than like our tropical setups, like down in the tropics and then also California and kelp and we're, those are special right. in a way, but like for us that live out here, we, I see it all the time, you know? So I think that was yeah. unique that kind of struck me about your, your photos was really cool. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's kind of, that's my goal is like, I, I've realized over the years that it is a unique place. And uh, just like, just like your dive area is unique compared to other places. Um, but, you know, people, people don't see what I see underwater that, 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 like I said, I've lived here all their lives. They just don't see it. So that's, that's been my goal is like showcase it, um, show people the kind of the beauty that we have in our backyards, because I think in doing that, you know, I kind of have, a, a, I have a sort of conservation based, uh, thought process a lot of times. So if I can, if I can engage the general public into what they have here and maybe, maybe just maybe it'll encourage them to not throw trash in the ocean and, uh, treat it, treat it as best as they possibly can, which is, you know, what it deserves, what it deserves. That, that's, so that's kind of, that's yeah, that's the whole thing, goal, you know? right? Yeah, that's, right. Yeah. If I can get more people to, in my Neanderthal way, if I can get more people to dive or give a shit about the ocean, exactly. And you know, um, we'll all take care of it. I mean, there's so many people here in California too, and and um, I remember growing up. And it's so funny. I remember growing up and hearing about not, you know, don't pollute and all this stuff. And like, I was a big thing to me because I always loved the outdoors and I always thought I loved animals. So I was like, I'll be nice to the animals when I was little. And we would talk about it all the time in school. And nowadays, like, it seems like I asked the kids, like, do they even talk about that anymore? It's just like fall off the radar. And we're talking about other things like, and it, and it was so interesting to me because I was like, did we just forget about that? I mean, we hear climate change but like right. i can't really do much about that personally but i can tell you what i can do and just be cognizant of um not throwing stuff in the ocean leave only footsteps that whole mindset you know yeah it's true it's true 
yeah being yeah, selective yeah being selective for sure you know um yeah so that's that's kind of a that's a that's a big background to my or a basis for a lot of the a lot of the shots that i take and and the things that i i post for the world to see is you know this is this is what we have this is you know the the world doesn't stop at the water's edge. I mean, there's a, there's a lot, there's more than you could imagine down there. So don't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. It's like before you, you know. pull the trigger, think about what impact that will have. Yeah, and if it's all right, sure. that's fine, but don't go down there and slaughter, you know, every sheep's head you see, because we've already seen that issue before in the kelp beds where, you know, sheep's yeah. head urchins and then the, and the, the chain of right. like, yeah, just be just be smart about it. There's nothing wrong with any fish. I don't think even people shoot it if they're just smart about the fishery and how that affects things, you know. Yeah. Yeah, just understanding your impact and and uh that's what it comes down to. So um yeah, that's it, it in a nutshell, I think. <laughs> well, Dave, I, I uh really appreciate you um being a guest on the show and I know we hadn't even talked before that other than over Instagram. <laughs> and Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's and been, you, been great. I think my main thing was to get you on because when you said, you know, you're diving in Rhode Island, I was like, I've heard a guy surfing there, um, you know, as an academy, they were like talking about trying to do a surf trip down to Rhode Island or whatever. But uh, <laughs> I was laughing because I, you know, I was thinking about that. And I was like, wow, I never really, I imagine your stuff's got to be kind of unique. And I, and I think that's what we're trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do with this is just tie everything together to share how unique and special each part of the ocean is regardless of how it looks on the outside like right. you said when you get underwater it's a whole another world yeah it so, is yeah, yeah thank you you're, you're a guest <laughs> so yes you are and sometimes the big bo- <laughs> sometimes <laughs> some animals like to make sure you understand yeah. that yeah yeah it's definitely true <laughs> <laughs> well I, cool. I appreciate it again brother enjoy, enjoy your um, your weekend yeah i will Thanks. Okay. Thanks again for having me, Brett. Yes, sir. Yeah, have a great weekend. All right. You too. Take All right. care. All right, everybody. That concludes the show for today. Uh, I hope you guys liked it. And again, thanks, Dave, for being on the show. If you guys want to find out uh, more information about the deals that we mentioned from our sponsors in the beginning, you can check out the website at www.spearfactor.com. And if you would like to support the show even more, you can go over to our Patreon page forward slash Peer Factor and sign up for uh, donating to the show and keep it going. I really appreciate all the support you guys have been giving me and I hope you uh, are learning a lot from it and uh, more importantly, I guess, being entertained. So take care. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.